Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Some Redeeming Qualities. Hope you all had a good week. What's new with you uh, over there, JP? You know, not not too much. The same old, same old shit. Being a bad mofo. Not really. I'm, I think I'm pretty good. You're a pretty good guy. Yeah, not that bad. So you know the new those two new albums that came out, the Drake album and the Kanye album. Yes. So I guess earlier this week or sometime in the last week. Drake, or I guess Kanye did it first. Kanye released Donda, right? Right. Kanye then went and edited Donda and completely edited out Chris Brown. Okay. And then now on all the streaming services, you won't find Chris Brown his features on any of the Kanye songs. Well then. And Drake then followed and edited his album, certified lover boy. Um, in particular, he edited that one song that I happened to like, (laughs) um, no, no, it's just interesting. All he did was there's this part where, um, he's going to have these motherfuckers dropping like some mother or he's going to, Drop them like some motherfucking flies. Yeah. But he doesn't say flies. It was just drop them like some motherfucking. And then he would go on to the next verse. Yeah. Um, yeah. He added the word flies back in and re-released everything. Just so, for the flies? Well, that for that song, I believe that's all he did uh, of that I can tell of any significance anyway. So... It's interesting because, like I said, this is the song on that album that I kind of like. Yeah. And um, this dude that I watch that streams, he also likes it. And he was playing it. And this is before this is before the news had come out that it had been edited. Um, he's playing the song and I'm listening to it. And, you know, I might, I might have been a few J's deep. Few, few in. Yeah. Um, but. I'm listening to it and then that part comes up and I hear him say flies and I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. That's not how it goes. And uh-huh. I'm, I'm like, did I actually hear flies? Or <laughs> So then I went um, onto YouTube music and searched it up like the song and yeah. played it. And sure enough, it said flies. And I'm like, there's no fucking way. It never used to say flies. I'm hundred percent sure oh, about no. that. So then uh, I looked it up and sure enough, I found that there's an article yeah, about it that he edited this song and re-uploaded it. Um, and so on my phone, my phone hasn't updated yet. So hmm. my phone has the version where it doesn't say flies. No flies. Yeah. So I confirmed it that way as well. But I just, so I really, what I'm getting at is what do you think about people releasing an album and then changing it and re-releasing it in a world where we don't have the physical media anymore where we can't have both versions of it you know yeah i do i'm not a big fan of it to be honest with you i I think think so either i'm not a big fan of it if you're gonna make a piece of art as we've discussed before make it and put it out you can't take it back or i don't know even if you just put like a a version 1.1 or something, yeah. you know, certified lover boy, a version 1.1. Okay. But I don't know, maybe that's too much to ask, but I just think that 
like let's say i don't maybe this is maybe this is true i don't know if uh that album was released physically at the same time as it was released uh digitally mm-hmm. but if it was those versions of it are going to be worth some money maybe because possibly they, they could got be the, the original cut as someone who likes vinyl yeah i mean unless that. they made millions of them but nowadays you don't think that in terms of physical media there's that many copies made i was just thinking would they even release on maybe, physical media but maybe they didn't like or when they do it's usually after and yeah. the reason they do that is because they can tell you if the album was a success at that point you know? right they can invest the money so like into, for instance that new andy shelf album right doesn't come out physically for like another month it came out last week digitally but they're taking like pre-orders to order the physical copy of it which makes sense because then you're not yeah. producing a whole bunch of copies that aren't going to sell totally agree yeah it's so a I mean, smart if way you want to make it. money off of physical media you can't just be like well we're going to make a million copies of it because the cost per copy goes down drastically when you're going to have like eight hundred thousand of them that sit on the shelf and never get purchased and that's how they always end up in those yeah. used record bins or like at a gas station cd, <laughs> CD rack or something exactly yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I don't know if that's been done before. Have people retracted albums? I don't know about retracted, but this editing thing seems to be happening, mm. and it may have been happening more than we know. And it's just sort of you know become a part of the conversation. Yeah, very possibly. But I don't know. Like like I was saying, I don't. I personally prefer that they didn't do it. No, just. Make the piece of art and walk away. That's that's what I'm looking for, but I don't know. I, I haven't seen that before. Yeah. Interesting stuff. And I haven't listened to either of those albums other than the like, small bit of Lover, yeah. Lover Boy you've played me. Yeah, well, there's a few good tracks. Yeah. I stumbled upon uh, a very odd video last week. Okay. Um, I guess YouTube knows me pretty well. It was a Star Trek next-gen acid party video seen it okay what an amazing thing i'm surprised i didn't share it but yeah i've seen it it's fucking hilarious oh my god they, they and it's pretty long too isn't it's it it's like 45 minutes yeah. it's the <laughs> definitely the length one. of an actual star trek next gen yeah episode I, it's definitely worth watching the start of it i thought that they were trying to fuck with people in like a mean way like the start of it could give someone a bad trip well, if they weren't ready in bad trips i know you don't um, there was a few, uh, frightening images and then it, it moves past it a bit and you get Jean-Luc Picard and their, the premise is they're watching Pink Floyd live at Pompeii. Right. But I, I think like, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but <laughs> I think it's like all taken from an episode where, um, uh, data is like super fucked up. Or is like got a screw loose or something? That's definitely in there. Yeah. And I, I know one I of the I remember ep- that episode. One of the episodes they all get like amnesia. Okay. Yeah. So basically that's yeah, that's how they built this episode, is like taking cuts from a bunch of different other episodes. Yeah. And, uh, some green screen type shit. Some green screen stuff indeed. And really just having Floyd at Pompeii behind it all is hilarious. Because it Hell depicts yeah. them all as big stoners. Um also in the soundtrack is Boards of Canada. I don't okay. know if you've ever I, listened to much of them. I know a little bit. Which I thought was a great addition. And uh, Herbie Hancock, that Flood album that nice. I've been really into. Yeah, they had some uh, 
some of that sampled in there, but definitely recommend it. Star Trek Acid Party. Some ridiculous stuff, especially if you're a, a Trek person. Yeah. My thing with stuff like that is I just want to watch it on acid. Yeah. You know, I, I get that. I don't want somebody to uh, try and interpret an, what an acid trip is for a sober person. And I don't think that was the no, no, I'm like not, that was oh, no. definitely for the I'm acid not, heads. I'm not accusing this of that. I'm saying there's a lot of stuff out there like that where it's obviously it's people that, you know, don't have experience. Uh, and what would it be like, man? Yeah, exactly. And there's like pink elephants and the, all this bullshit, which doesn't happen. But that was just, uh, it was made to go hand in hand. Oh, no, they did a really good job. They really that. did. Yeah. Ridiculous stuff. And if you love Star Trek, specifically Next Gen. Yeah, Next Gen's good. It's starting to look dated. Even the technology. Oh yeah, it's looked dated for a, a no, long no, it, time. Like it me. looked dated in terms of like their clothing and the <laughs> yeah, you know the f- way it was filmed or whatever. But even like some of the concepts are are becoming dated. True. Yeah, I just have such a love for it that I don't. Oh, it, I don't care. It's the best one for sure. I agree. I'm also a big fan of the original series. Oh yeah, the original's good, but you know people don't realize there's not that many episodes of the original. There's one. only three seasons. Yeah, and they're short. The first season, at least, is very short. I realized recently that uh, Shatner does music. William oh, Shatner. Oh, are you kidding me? You don't know about that? It's terrible. Yeah, it's horrible. It's but that's so the, bad. That's the deal. That's what it's supposed to be terrible. He's not trying to make it not terrible. His newest release is just called Bill. I I don't remember which one it is, but I have I have a, a Will Shatner uh, CD somewhere. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll love to dig it out. What a character. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the song. I think like one of the songs that he sings is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And he's like, picture yourself. I have <laughs> no. heard that song. I've definitely it's, heard that song. Yes. It's so fucking crazy. In a boat in a river. Yeah. 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 What a guy. Don't make him like that anymore. Have you ever seen the, it's like an hour long first ever Star Trek episode. I guess they're all about an hour. Like of the original? Series? Yeah. It was released uh, before. Like a pilot? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. It's really cool. They end up encountering mean aliens. Okay. Usually friendly aliens, but these guys are reading their minds. I'm sure I've seen it. If you haven't seen it, folks, check it out. I forget the exact name, but if you look up first Star Trek episode, you'll find it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the pilot. That may be what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> um... So I was thinking like earlier this week about like, I don't know. Oh, this is why it came to mind because uh, I was, I saw a thumbnail on YouTube for the Queens of the Stone Age uh, live at Montreux uh, show from 2013. Okay. Um, and I started watching it and uh, I was like, this is so, they're so fucking good. But I was like, I don't, I don't really like this drummer. Hmm. You know, what's his name? John Theodore? Uh, is it that guy? Or yeah. is it the shorter guy with tattoos no, and no yeah, shirt? That's the first guy. That's Garcia or whatever yeah. his name is. He's the good one. I'm a big fan of him. He's just an aggressive drummer. Yeah, so um, I went back to the 2004 show because they did another live at Montreux, I believe, in 2004. Okay. Um, and that show's just, like, they're both fantastic, but just so much better 
Yeah, they're uh, Joey Castillo. Oh, Joey Castillo. Joey Castillo. Yeah. Garcia is the singer from Caius. Caius, right? John Garcia. John Garcia. Also yeah. a great fucking band. We haven't talked much about Caius here. Yeah. I'm sure the listeners know if they know. So anyway, it got me thinking, you know, think of like one of your favorite bands, maybe that you've seen live, maybe that you haven't seen live. Mm-hmm. And like, what would be the song that you want to see them perform live? So for instance, I'll give you an example. Okay. So for me, Tool, uh, I would love to see them perform live at a show that I'm at, uh, Hooker with a Penis. Oh, that would be a real throwback. 96. Isn't it from 96? Yeah, I guess it yeah. is. Um, anyway, yeah, I've never, I've seen them live, geez, I don't know, close to 10 times, and I've never seen that song live. Hmm. Their, their set lists typically remain pretty consistent they have, they don't change them up pretty much, very much that's or, a great song yeah anyway that, that that's an example for me i know i'm asking you like think of a band that you like live or that you want to see live and what would be the song that you want to hear so you want me to give another example while you're thinking i can give uh one example i don't know if it's the song okay um, slowly turning into you by the white stripes off of Icky Thump. Okay, interesting. Yeah, not, I've always. Not, I know the song, but not one that it rocks real hard. Yeah, it does. That's, That's a, a tough question because there's so many that I'd love to see. Yeah, Radiohead. Yeah, but what song? Yeah, I know. See, that's the thing. It is. It's tough because there's different eras of your favorite bands. Not only that is that. Some bands are better live. Some songs are better live. Some songs are the album track is better. Yeah. You know, so like for Queens, uh, I always want to see them play um, Mexicola. Whoa. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And they do play it live. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure at one of the two shows I went to, they played it live. But, you know. I can't, I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to look up the set lists from those two shows. You don't hear a lot of their first album in the live sets, at least the rated R two that I've seen. No, the one before that. Which is the... Self-entitled. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. With it's got the, the Partially uh, Naked Lady. Yeah. What's the name of that song? Uh, I'm going to look it up. I think Mexico is off that album. No. I think is so. It? Yeah. It's definitely not on rated R. That's because I think rated rated R is my favorite Queens of the Stone Age album. It's got a great sample for all the kinds of music they do. Heavy. Well, there's the album before that as well. That was like the Caius Queens of the Stone Age album. Are you familiar with that? No. So the very first Queens album was actually half Caius, half Queens. Wow. Yeah, and that's it's cool. called Caius Queen. It's called Caius. The album name is called Queens of the Stone Age. Whoa. Wow. No, I haven't come across that one. Meta, meta unlock for, for B-Rock. Um, anyway, getting back to, oh, yeah, this is the album. Regular John. Regular John. That's the song I was trying to think of. Fuck, that's a good song. You're yeah. right. This is the first full Queens of the Stone Age album. My buddy's got, sorry. And go ahead. it does have Mexicola on it. Maybe that's why they don't play it. I, it's hard for me because I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't into Queens of the Stone Age from the get go. Yeah. I kind of got into them, let's say, 
2006 or 2000 somewhere in there on the era of Algaris before slightly before that and then I kind of just went back and learned all of their previous stuff so it all kind of I know the order of the albums but I never really thought you're right that Mexico is such an old song it is now that do you know what year that album was yeah it's from 98 that's really early for Queens as a band yeah when i think about them in some ways i'm sad that i didn't know about this in 1998 and in other ways i'm glad because it's just it's it's such a good album that it's like oh you found this it's like a hidden treasure that's true it's not you can't there's not too many times you can go back uh and there's albums that are that good that you missed out on somehow you know it you know evaded your radar See, that's like my entire music listening experience. Yeah, but you're you're young. I'm. It, it's funny to see the difference between that because if I find an old band, I'm like, I've got a full discography to dive into. Yeah, I guess that's from from your perspective. Yeah, yeah. But for me, at this point in my life, I've kind of gone back, and there's not, like I said, there's probably not too much out there that I've missed or that has flown under the radar. Mm-hmm. So when you do find that gem. It just means that much more. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm really into that. Uh, I know I've talked about it several times, but you probably don't remember. Um, Necromandus. Yeah. I've, I've, man, I've listened to that so many times. Oh, we've never talked about it. I, you, I played it once and I was like, you drove oh, me home that, from the airport yeah, and I was threw like, it on. Damn. I thought that would have hit harder. Oh, no. You. I love that album. Yeah. The Tony Aomi. Yeah. So basically, for you listeners out there, um tony iomi uh early on in like the 70s um found this band and um signed them to a label and they recorded this album and before the album got released the lead singer uh like left the band and they decided to just not release it and then like 20 25 years later i think in the late 90s it got released and it's one of those albums it's just like you listen to it and it's just so cool like if you love that you know early 70s black sabbath mm-hmm. this is right up your alley and like you can hear tony iomi all over it i was just gonna say the same thing the the influence is is raw yeah anyway kind of went off on a tangent 2000 Want to that say might have been re-released. Yeah, that might have been the first actual time that it got released. Yeah, I shouldn't say re-released. Yeah, but released. That that's crazy, man. In the vaults. Yeah, for that long. Yeah, and like I, I don't know much about them, but I know that they've since gotten back together and have recorded new music since you know that album was released and became super popular. Hmm. But yeah, it's it's a gooder. Definitely is a gooder. Yeah. I've uh, I think I've come up with the the one song okay. by the one band. I'm down. But it'd have to be at the specific time. Um, Herbie Hancock with Headhunters doing Chameleon, like in the mid '70s. Okay, well, wow. I think that would be the one. Never really. I don't. I, I'm gonna have to give this more thought now because can we time travel? Well, that's just it. I yeah. I was only considering <laughs> um, bands that are either touring or still around. Mm. That but, changes it. Yeah, it does change it because, you know, then I got to think about, you know, Frank Zappa and Jimi Hendrix. I think maybe past uh, musicians might not be allowed. It just makes it a lot harder. I agree. 
anyway, it's still, I think it's a topic that we should revisit. I agree. It's uh, think about it some, whenever I have the thought, I'll bring it up to the, to the group being you guys and gals and people. Righto. Righto. Did you see the Nixon deep fake for the moon disaster? No. Quote unquote. Um, So Francesca Panetta and Halsey Bergen from MIT teamed up with two AI companies, Candy AI and Respeecher. I did see this. This has been out for a while. Has it? I just got the news this week. Okay. Um, I've seen, I've seen it, Okay, but I've, I think they've also done other deep fakes. This, these people very possibly they're trying to prove they're trying to spread information about deep fakes because it's becoming such a problem. Exactly. Yeah. This is definitely the same group. Okay, so, um, they did a deep fake of Nixon doing the alternative speech. So if, uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin yeah. didn't make it back, right. The speech he would have given. It's really good. Yeah. It's it's amazing to see how accurate they can be. And they, it is crazy. They showed how they made it and all that, which is also cool to see the inner workings of it. Yeah. And I mean, you start to think about, do you know, are you, I never saw the movie, but are you familiar with uh, Gemini Man, I believe it's called? Is that yeah, the, the Will, Will Smith, Smith movie? One? Yeah. I didn't see it. So he had um, his entire body uh, 3D mapped. Interesting. Um, so now they don't even necessarily need him anymore to do any movies. No, and I'm, I'm being hundred percent. No, serious. I know it's just funny. And like to they think can about. do, they can make him at any age as well, which is kind of what they did in that Gemini movie. It was like a y- younger version of himself. Okay. Was the, I don't know, was the evil person or whatever. Anyway, I like I said, I never saw it. I didn't see it either, but I'll take it. Anyway, word. the idea of it is is really interesting, you know, especially when you think about iconic actors mm-hmm. and being able to, you know, scan them at a point in their life before they're over the hill, you know. The wrinkles set in. Yeah. And does he own the rights to his likeness at that point? I'm not hundred percent sure. I would I would hope so and assume so curious but if you think about like how you know the Jimi hendrix uh foundation or whatever how they are still releasing Jimi hendrix stuff and there's a business behind dead musicians there is right so if you think about that like think about the legacy they could leave he will smith could leave for other generations of his family or his kids kids in Mm. terms of being able to act in feature movies beyond beyond your uh, life expectancy or your expiration date yeah you can really just keep money making money long after you're gone as you said that's uh yeah that's interesting like imagine imagine they would have done a 3d scan and i don't know that's exactly what it's called that's just what i'm calling that's it. what we're going with they would have done a 3d scan of harvey Keitel when he was doing a <laughs> uh, bad lieutenant think about all the great the great films that could have come from that. You know, you got him right in his prime. He did was, that was the same time he did reservoir dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was in Pulp Fiction, but is it the actor? It can be anybody. I think that that was just his prime, right? Yeah. So to get that exact likeness of him, you probably need to get that scan at a, 
point in their life before gravity's you know taken effect mm-hmm. and i think you know for will smith he might have been just about to pass that time very possibly yeah um but anyway yeah i, I always loved those early 90s or mid 90s harvey Keitel movies fantastic and yeah that just seemed to be his he had a, like three or four years of primeness there do you think if like if if they did 3d scan him in his prime mm-hmm. would there still be value in the the films being made with his 3d printed body yeah because it's not necessarily think about the, the actor no but okay forget about um bad lieutenant think about um pulp fiction yeah okay and pulp fiction was so big that people wanted there to be like a sequel to pulp fiction and so quentin tarantino was once pondering the idea of doing a film um about the vega brothers okay name is familiar right so um vince vega is played by john travolta in pulp fiction right right right. and so he was going to do sort of like or he was considering doing a prequel sort of where it was just about the vega brothers and the other vega brother would be michael madsen from and he was in uh uh, reservoir dogs okay right um anyway to think that if you wanted to go back in time and do those movies that you had people, you know, you could have the 3d scans of people that kept them in that age. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't this 20 years of life that went in between them. You know what I mean? I do. So the filming of it would be a lot easier and it would almost seem like the sequel was filmed at the same time as the original or the prequel or whatever. That would think, be cool. Yeah. The possibilities are really interesting when you start to think about that i think it would be really cool if they used that technology and then had that same actor do the voicing oh they they that they do but the thing is is your voice uh it's gonna change over time too no it doesn't change as much true right yeah i didn't think so about that. so yeah you have actors that may be you know in their 60s or 70s voicing a version of themselves from their 40s where they wouldn't huh. have been able to get roles like that previously because their age didn't fit the character and you it may be possible that they're better actors at an older age depending on the person sure it's just it's just a really interesting thing to think about Hmm. and that's probably something we're going to see more of you know as time goes on that's pretty cool stuff always good to be uh cautious about what you're seeing out there because you could be getting deep faked exactly i saw a deep fake um of this there's this dude i don't know he's like a tiktoker or something uh he's like a fake tom cruise okay and if you i saw a bunch of his tiktoks or whatever and it's it's pretty crazy he looked exactly like tom cruise but i thought at first that it was just a look-alike Okay, and then they actually showed what he looks like before they do the deep fake, and it's a completely different guy. But the deep fake was so good mm-hmm. that, like I said, I considered that this is just a guy that happens to look a lot like Tom Cruise. Wow! But in reality, it was a deep fake. They can do it pretty well these days. Yeah, definitely. 
recently we talked about, I mean, we're usually talking about acid in some way, shape or form. Um, but a question was brought up where one of our group members said, who brought up the question? Uh, I think it was me last week. Okay. Um, one of our group members saying, I think we may be the only people in the city. Oh yeah. High on acid at this time or yeah, or this high. So this paper came out in June, 2021 and it was analysis of trends of LSD use from 2002 to 2018. Uh, the sample size was 135,000 people in the United States. Okay. Pretty good. Um, and it was very simple. It was just, have you used LSD in the last year? Yes or no. Have you used these other things? Yes or no. Um, so this gave us a bit of an idea as to the average LSD user. And? Well, I'll just start off with uh, frequency of use. So a 200% increase was observed during the period of study. So from 0.23% of the population to 0.72% of the population having used LSD in the past year. Okay. Um, so that's like less than one in a hundred. Yeah. Okay. Very few. Um, correlations were found with LSD use among higher levels of education or individuals who had higher levels of education. Um, individuals who were not married or divorced were more frequent in the LSD category, um, as well as people with higher levels of antisocial behavior. Okay. Um, the typical LSD user also uses marijuana and cocaine as a close second. Yeah. But I think uh, a lot of people just enjoy cocaine these days, and it might just be someone out there partying. I just think that those are the top or, you know, weed and Coke are pretty much always going to be at the top of that is drug consumption. That is pretty true. They're popular. Um, in terms of mental health relationships among the over hundred thousand people in the study, there was no correlation with, oh, sorry, one second, uh, no association between the use of LSD and serious mental health issues, increase in treatment or suicidal ideation. Uh huh. So that's, that's good to see. Um, 98.6% of the participants had not sold drugs or been arrested, which is Yeah, I think that interesting. Makes, makes sense. But all, all I'm getting down to is the, the average LSD user is a pretty, pretty casual individual, it seems. My problem with this is that it's bullshit. Why? That's a big sample size. Yeah, but there's always one thing that these types of um, re these types of research don't take into consideration that is a huge determining factor. How many people out of your sample size are not going to admit to doing these things? That's a good question. I mean, that's therein lies the issue with a survey. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think the information is anecdotal at best. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't and we can't ensure that everybody in the sample uh, was truthful. But you'd have to assume that people, the majority of people going into a drug survey anonymously are going to be no, open about this. Not me. You probably wouldn't take I a can survey. Tell, I know, but I can tell you this. Like, I haven't even uh, 
I've never said anything about smoking to my doctor ever. What? And they've asked. So just listen. Um, it wasn't until after legalization that I even brought up the fact that I smoked. Interesting. Yeah. And there, the reason was because, you know, there's a stigma associated with it. True. Right. So if me, a guy who, you know, likes to indulge, isn't willing to admit it to them, let's just say publicly. Um, I don't know if I'd call the doctor public. No, I'm saying the survey would essentially be like telling the public. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I see where you're if coming you're being, from, for sure. You're telling everyone you want to be, you're, if you're going to be completely forthcoming, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't think, I think there's a, a decent percentage of people out there that are going to hold back. Even if it's completely anonymous? Yes. You're not Nobody trusts face-to-face. Sur- I, you know what? I used to run a lot of surveys, a lot of big surveys yeah. for a big institution, yeah. and they're not fucking anonymous. I'm sorry. They say they're anonymous, but if they really want to figure out who the respondent is, they can. They, It's all there. I see what you're saying. I don't... Uh, it's something we can't know, for sure. Right. But... Um, but anecdotal and interesting. Interesting indeed. Also, 135,000 people have taken LSD. Yeah. So what's the real number? Oh, much, much higher. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then how representative is this sample of the population? Of as, as always. It has a lot of social and economic uh, factors. Yep. Another thing they found was a significant increase among African-American males in LSD use. I'm happy for them. I'd like to see an increase in, in all areas and all demographics. It's true. Demographically, it's been historically white use of psychedelics and I all that. that. You could probably say that about a lot of drugs, though. But I, yeah. And not necessarily all psychedelics either, because there's the indigenous use. Sure. Throughout history, but... I saw some dude uh, selling ayahuasca on... What? Yeah, remember I was telling you about... We were talking earlier about the Dream Market. This is not off the podcast. I do remember. Dream Market is a uh, dark web uh, market that you can buy illicit things. Um. Anyway, yeah, I was on there. Uh, you know, they've got like... They're very... Like we were talking about this off the podcast either. Just how rudimentary these websites are. This one specifically. Uh, but it's it, it's got a template that has been used on a lot of these types of websites over the years yeah. where literally it's like almost like a wiki they're set up. Like you, you're all, well, you're looking for drugs. You click on drugs. Then that list expands to the different categories of drugs. And then you click on that, that and then true. you're getting, you're getting the specific, uh, whatever keyword of the drug that you clicked on. And so when I clicked on drugs and it expanded, I saw ayahuasca and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? There's not somebody selling actual ayahuasca. They may be selling like the ingredients, but no, there's Is it in a bottle. Yeah. There's <laughs> literally, there was a picture of like a pot on a stove and this dude's like <laughs> cooking this shit up. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not going to take your ayahuasca motherfucker. And I don't know why anybody else would. No, you know, that isn't food safe. 
Of course not. You know it's not food safe. Was but he cooking is, outside? Neither are magic mushrooms. No, why would you have to cook it outside? I was just curious if he was. That's how I was picturing it in my head. No, it was on a stove. Okay. And it was just a single frame, a single photo. So everything else I'm saying is from the imagination. But there was literally a pot on a stove with what looked like ayahuasca, you know, uh, you know, a rather thick brownie substance. Could it have been refried beans? No. no I, I've seen... I've seen the shit that goes into ayahuasca. Yeah. And that's, that's what it looks like. Lots of plant material. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, uh, that's kind of odd. I've yeah. seen like ayahuasca ingredients from a, yeah, I've seen that before, but seller in first Victoria, time I saw but, some dude making some stovetop ayahuasca and selling it. Yeah. I hope he's doing well. It's probably, you know? it's probably not illegal either. It's probably gray. I do want, I don't know. I don't know either. when you combine the two ingredients. You can buy all the materials uh, legally. You can, yeah. So combining them together might make it illegal, but I don't know. Making DMT apparently is pretty rudimentary <coughs> as well. Not that I would do that, but um, it's an interesting looking process. What, <clears throat> what I'm interested in exploring is uh, mescaline. Me too. There's a illegal source of it in Canada: the San Pedro cactus. Yeah, I, I grew a San Pedro once. Nice. And it, it takes uh, almost three years for it to get to a place where you could harvest it. Mm. And it died like somewhere in two years. Oh, that fucking somewhere. sucks. And like the growing, a, growing a cactus from a seed is very difficult. Especially here. No, it was, in, you know, you get the right cactus mix soil yeah. and all that. But just getting a, a cactus to start is extremely difficult. So anyway, it was sucked when, when it died, it was getting, it was getting pretty fat. Yeah. Yeah. It's about like the size of a large jawbreaker. That's pretty good. Yeah. Large, uh, when's the last time you had a jawbreaker? Are you mm. talking like the big, big ones? No, not that big. Okay. Maybe. Okay. So a little bit smaller than, uh, the size of a pool ball. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like eight ball or nine ball pool. That's what I was thinking about. A little that bit size. smaller than that size. What an odd shape for a candy. Yeah, but makes sense. To, it makes it, it it makes it easy to, for the layers to take place, right? It's true of a jawbreaker. That is true. That is the point. If it was the jawbreakers were square, think about the layers wouldn't be very consistent. Wouldn't be an enjoyable uh, candy whatsoever. I don't ever remember it enjoyable. I was always trying to crunch them. I've never I've never much for keeping it in my mouth and going through the different layers no then it gets all dirty and yeah although my favorite version of a gobstopper like candy yeah um was gobstoppers yeah the chewy one in the middle uh no they were like um candy on the outside like a regular jawbreaker but almost like a a sweet tart uh consistency on the inside yeah i got you yeah i don't know if they still make those but I haven't seen a gobstopper in a long time. They used to have the box too, where you just pinch off the one part and then yeah. it was almost like a little dispenser. Oh yeah. Anyway, Man. Old times. school candy. Yeah. Good stuff. What were we talking about before gobstoppers? San Pedro. Right. Dream market. Dream market. Masculine. Masculine. Yeah. So I'm so masculine. I'm going to sound like a bit of a, uneducated person here but mescaline psychedelic right mescaline is isn't mescaline uh derived from peyote 
it's the one of the major alkaloids in peyote. Yeah. Right. So then this is what I'm thinking. So I've read about people taking peyote. I, you know, I introduced you to that book about the dude, the teachings of Don Juan. Yeah. Um, and you know, every experience I've read about involves sort of like a, you know, a stomach illness, <laughs> vomiting. Yeah. Vomiting and sick stomach at some point. Do you think the mescaline would have, you could avoid that, but still have a similar experience? I feel like if you just take the mescaline, right? Cause you take like it orally. Yeah. It's you take it orally. Yeah. Would it, you think it would make you sick though? I don't think it would. This yeah. is speculation I on would, my end. I'd but like, like to try it. And we've always talked about having to try the four ACO DMT too, to see if that's, if it's easier than just eating mushrooms. Oh, right. I would try that as well. But, uh, cause the, the stomach rot is the worst and I can, you have to eat a lot of peyote for it to be. I don't active. know. I don't know. Like I said, I've never had access to it. I never, whatever, but I don't know. I don't want to take something and get sick for any benefit. No, no. If I could avoid that, then yeah, it's uh it is available for sure. Mescaline. Yeah. The, uh, a group on the West coast was selling some stuff on okay. the, the dark web. Yeah. I'd, I'd be down. My, I was talking to my maternal grandfather a couple mescaline? a couple of years ago. Like my family kind of knows the deal with me. They're they're hippies, especially on that side. Um, but not incredibly hippie. Anyway, somehow we were we we're having a few drinks, and the topic of psychedelics came up. I'm like, "Did you ever uh, try psychedelics?" And he looks over at my grandmother. He looks at me. And he goes. Well, I tried LSD once and mescaline a couple times, I guess, but that was it. Wow. I was like, hell yeah. And my grandmother was pissed off. What, was your dad there? No, this was on my, my other side of the family. Oh, other my side My mom's of side. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, no, my... <laughs> the other side wouldn't be like that at all, but... No, uh, I don't think so. These guys grew up in like the sock hop generation and uh-huh. just that age well when so you think about psychedelics back then those are probably the ones that were around yeah masculine and uh Acid. lsd maybe some mushrooms yeah and he was he was a teacher so like he was always at right. universities so i assume that's where it was going through but yeah. interesting that was a funny conversation i remember uh we were talking about uh eminem opening up mom spaghetti yeah the mom spaghetti restaurant yeah so i guess it opened this week i happened to uh see a photo posted of somebody purchasing it at the window and it has a small uh small menu with pricing on it i thought it'd be interesting to follow up so this is what the menu consists of it's spaghetti just Uh regular spaghetti nine dollars spaghetti with balls Twelve dollars. That's a good price. Spaghetti with vegan balls, fourteen dollars. And the final item on the menu, which seemed the most intriguing to me, a spaghetti sandwich. Oh! But the person in the photo's head is blocking the price. I'm going to say it's probably in the nine dollar, ten dollar range. I think it should be for sure. The question is, are there balls on that spaghetti sandwich? Um, you probably think so. Like when I think of, when I think of a spaghetti sandwich, I would picture a a meat sauce 
Agreed. spaghetti. Possibly a bolognese. So if it was a meat sauce spaghetti, a bolognese, um, then the balls wouldn't necessarily be a requirement. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if it was just a straight tomato sauce and or marinara sauce and, and noodles, yeah, definitely you want to opt for the balls. Yeah, you need some substance in there. Otherwise, it's just a sandwich of only carbs, which there's a time and place, but I, for one, don't want just noodles in between bread. No. I don't think anyone wants that. I want the meat sauce. What are your thoughts on the meatball sub, like seeing how we're dancing around? I like a a meatball sub, but um, I don't necessarily like like a Subway meatball sub. Oh, no. I don't think they... Like from a a pizzeria? Yeah. (laughs) Cracks me up every time, the pizzeria. But getting back to the spaghetti sandwich. Right, right. Okay. I have some questions that I, I would ponder or I have been pondering about it. Is it a cold spaghetti sandwich? Whoa. Because, you know, like when you make some spaghetti, uh, you throw it in the fridge as leftovers, you come back to it. It's nice and congealed. Yeah, agreed. Which to me would make a fantastic sandwich. Mm. Right. But are they serving at Mom's spaghetti? a hot spaghetti sandwich because then we're you know we're more in like a a sloppy joe territory depending on depending on the the bread that they're uh putting it on Mm -hmm. the the bun is is a big deal there i think you need like a a sturdy bun nothing that's gonna sog out easily or anything like that yeah exactly and that, that that would be the problem when uh serving up a hot spaghetti sandwich where is this uh m&m's mom spaghetti i believe it's in detroit some redeeming qualities is going to detroit get your passport look out anyway i just thought it was uh worth worth revisiting a little bit i totally agree specifically because of the spaghetti sandwich I've heard of spaghetti cones before. Never heard of a spaghetti sandwich. That's, I've thought that's about unique. a spaghetti sandwich. Mm. I also thought about the lasagna sandwich, but in both in, <laughs> in, in both instances, it was the day old leftover congealed together. Yeah, I mean, other, like I said, otherwise you're getting into a sloppy joe. Also, a great sandwich, just not the same thing. And you got to decide. I'm not into a sloppy sandwich. No. No, I don't want my sandwich to be all saucy. I think that just changes the stance with which it's eaten uh, as a usual stander when I eat sandwiches. Yeah. It's kind of... I don't know. I don't like my bread to get wet. No, I agree. And like... No one likes When you start... Yeah, that's when you start throwing like tomato sauce and then you get to the toppings area and people are throwing on like tomatoes. You're just asking for soggy bread unless you're going to eat that thing there at the restaurant and not even try and take it home as soon as you try and take it home you're already getting the sog factor going game's over especially and if you got it toasted it's that is increasing the sog factor just from you know the steam that it's creating when it's wrapped up in the wax paper it's a whole nother realm of things to to worry about yeah i think i've brought this up in the podcast before but inverting the uh the toast you Mm -hmm, know so toasting mm -hmm, one mm -hmm. side toasting the inside the inside yep it kind of gives you a protective layer there. Yeah, but why wouldn't you just toast both sides? Because some, no, we've definitely brought this up, but uh, for those of you who don't know, so you don't get the crunchy toast on the top of your mouth. 
because sometimes oh. it tears the top of your mouth up, you mm. know, like with a, a BLT maybe, and you probably have some crispy bacon in there. Oh, so what you're saying is you're looking out for me. Not looking out for myself mainly, but if I was making you that sandwich, then I would be looking out for you. Oh. And I guess now you know. So yes, I am looking out for you. So um, when you're making that type of a sandwich, do you then toast the bread in a pan? Uh, I usually throw it in the oven on broil. Ah, that would also work. Some uh, little bit of olive oil on top, maybe. Gotcha. Crisp it up. Gotcha. Did that with a chicken salad sandwich the other day. Made it with chicken thighs. Mm-hmm. Goddamn. Was delicious. I would put my chicken salad up against anybody. What are the ingredients that go into your chicken salad? Pretty standard stuff. Um, it really starts with the browning of the chicken. You want to get a nice... Uh, okay. Are we talking skin or no skin? Um, so I, I'm going to give away some of my secrets here. What I well, like to do... want to want to dissect this shit. So I'll start with chicken thighs, skin on, bone yes. in. Yes, yes. Um, throw them in the oven at like 425 oh. with a bit of oil on top of the skin. Okay. That gets super crispy. And maybe you'll need to bring the temperature down a little bit if you don't want to overcook your chicken because mm-hmm. you got to be like 165 to 175 Fahrenheit is you don't want to go any hotter because you want that chicken to be very tender. Okay. Um, let it cook off. And then when you pull it out of the oven, you take the skin, which is now crispy off of the chicken thigh. Okay. Put that aside. Okay. Um, break down your chicken. Uh, you, you, know, you want it to cool right. as well. Um, once it's cooled down, you can chop it before or after, whatever you like. Okay. Um, you're then going to take the crispy chicken skins and slice those up as well. Separately? Separately, or, yeah. Because okay. you don't want it to mix with the chicken fat okay. and then get the sog factor, as we were talking about. Okay. Because they're going to act as like a chip almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the dressing, we're looking at, um, I'll always go with a little bit of fresh garlic minced okay like to have a bit of garlic okay you had me until you now until now tiny bit of garlic not too much uh paprika pepper uh more olive oil mayonnaise a little bit of white vinegar or apple cider vinegar oh both are okay okay um and then did i say paprika yeah and something to sweeten it with just a little bit of uh sugar or maybe some agave syrup i used the other day because i had it this is in the dressing this is in the dressing okay and then uh just mix your chicken in there with that throw it in the fridge let it chill mm-hmm. and you have your chicken skins separately when they're ready to go in you sprinkle it on top in the sandwich and then you're you're good to go you got yourself a slightly crisp chicken salad sandwich nice. with the inside toasted well wow. i'd be down to try it yeah I like my chicken salad a little bit more simple. What do you like? Oh, just, you know, like uh, mayo, salt and pepper. Um, and then like some celery, chopped celery Ooh. or diced celery. I forgot red onion, but. Uh, yeah. And I, no. no, I'm not an onion. Maybe a little bit of sweet pickle. Whoa. Didn't yeah. think about and that. That's it. Salt and pepper, mayo, celery tiny bit of sweet pickle and then the way you cook the chicken is yeah i'm i'm down with that i use thighs all the time bone in is the way to go they stay more moist that way higher fat content oh yeah 
I might try your recipe out. That's uh, that sounds that's, delicious. That's a that's a my dad the chef's recipe. That's old school shit. Yeah, that's the way my dad used to make. The them. pickle is a great addition because I think you were talking to me about rumelads before. Mm-hmm. You, have a, you enjoy the rumelade, which is really just okay. Pickle and in the sauce. Yeah, I mean, I never used to like sweet pickles. Really? Yeah, it's only something I've acquired in my you know as I aged. Um, but you know, when I was young, I would always avoid sweet pickles. The only thing that it would be even close to a sweet pickle that I would eat would be, you know, relish, let's say on a, on a hot dog. Mm. But, um, nowadays I'm, I'm more open. I used to just be into dills or, uh, Love the, a good dill. the Polsky or Gorky or whatever they're called. Is that the, the small like, pickled onion in it? Uh, no, no, no. But pickled onions are good as well. Yeah. What chicken salad, hey? Chicken salad. It's uh, great to have in the fridge. Speaking of eating, um, we were talking earlier about lifespan and how old can people get. Um, I won't answer that question in this bit. But the title of this paper was Evidence That Overnight Fasting May Improve Lifespan. Is this considered intermittent fasting? Uh, Yes. Yeah, okay. You're going to probably give this uh it's in flies drosophila that's fine i I think there's uh, a lot to intermittent fasting actually there and research is saying that there is so the idea with using flies is we have a lot of the same genes works in them might work in us just an easy organism to use um so the researchers used a modified intermittent fasting schedule where they did 20-hour fasts all of the fasts included an overnight period. Right. That makes it easier. And then a 28 hour feeding period after that. So 20 off, oh, 28 weird. on. Okay. Um, the result was an 18% increase of lifespan in female flies and a 13% increase in males. So, okay, hold on. The first 20 hours, they don't eat anything. The second 28 hours. Yeah. They're allowed to eat whatever they want. Yeah. Wow. Or as much as they want. I guess they're getting as much as they want. Same thing. Um, They have open access to food for for the 28 hours. Okay. So, and they also have access to marijuana. (laughs) I don't think so. Okay. Um, That'd be pretty sweet if those little bugs were getting stoned. Increases the appetite, right? (laughs) Um, Also, in terms of the groups that were doing the fasting and had unrestricted access to food, they consume more calories and consume more food than the group that was given open access. Um, that'll be a bit more important later. Um, so yeah, going back to where I was increase in lifespan, 13 to 18%, depending on the sex of the fly and In addition to increasing lifespan, the fasting also protected against declines in muscular, neuronal, and intestinal decline with age. Um, They did see that when they started the fasting played a big factor. So flies that began fasting after day 40 of life didn't didn't have any increase in lifespan. So in this model, oh, sorry, what's the average lifespan of a fly? I should have looked that up. Oh, um, I'll, we'll, maybe we'll put that in the notes. We'll send it over to you. Sure. Cause that is important. 
Um, what else do we have here? So the big the big finding of this paper was that the mechanism by which lifespan is increasing is occurring during the night. Um, so they shifted the feeding window by 12 hours back to include mainly daytime feeding. No difference in lifespan was observed, um, suggesting once again that the mechanism is regulated by the circadian clock. Uh-huh. And they narrowed it down to a process called autophagy, which would translate to self-eating. And it occurs at its peak rate during the night where cells are breaking down their not needed components and recycling it and sending it out to other parts of the body. So yeah, the, the idea behind this is if they can create a drug that can induce the same effects as intermittent fasting on meaning hunger. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm asking. No, the, the, the process of autophagy, which is what was being induced through the intermittent fasting. So wait, they're looking to make something that induces that without having to yeah. fast for 20 hours? Yeah. Okay. So turning that switch on, um, allowing people to increase their lifespan and quality of life through, so pretty much they found the mechanism behind it and now they can start targeting it which is pretty cool. Interesting. That's from uh, Stephen Helfand at Brown University and Radiel de Cabo at the National Institute on Aging in Baltimore. Interesting. Yeah. Exciting stuff. So, so where do they go from flies to mice? Uh, couldn't tell you. They would probably just stay in a fly lab at this point. No, no. I mean, like, do they not scale up? To go like, okay, so we, we recognized this evidence in uh, flies. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also observed it, you know, in mice. And then, you know. Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, it would be, it'd make sense to go to a vertebrate system. You wouldn't. Being well, a mouse. You wouldn't think you'd jump from flies to humans. Well, the nice thing about this is it's, there's no like pharmaceutical intervention. It's just caloric restriction. Saying. So you could like do an ethical study. And I know there's lots being done on caloric restriction and intermittent fasting, but I think that could be scaled to humans pretty easily. Although you do have a good point, should scale up slowly. Well, you'd think it would like you got all these motherfuckers out there that, you know, uh, aren't willing to get the fucking vaccine. How are you going to convince them (laughs) to start taking this medication? It's only been tested on fucking flies. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Can't, can't deny that. I'm going to hold my comment. Um, I think it's, it's cool that we can look at the genetics of flies and manipulate it and get an idea as to what's going on. Cause honestly, after it took me a while to understand why people used flies, but this paper kind of sorted it out for me. It's, you can see the whole lifespan of the organism. You can manipulate it easily. It's cool stuff. Yeah. What do you go ahead? No, go you go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna ask what you've been listening to recently. Oh, geez. If anything, um, been listening to an enormous amount of Andy Shelf. Yeah, you you got the uh, the Andy Shelf fever, right? So, I don't know for you out there that aren't familiar with this dude, which I would expect nobody pretty much is yeah. familiar with this dude. Yeah. 
he he's Canadian. Uh, I believe he was raised in Saskatchewan to either some sort of, you know, minister or preacher or some crazy religious family. Um, which when I read that immediately made me not want to listen to his music, (laughs) but fortunately you don't see any of that shit showing up in his music. In fact, it seems like he rebelled from those types of church. No, no, just from his family being so, uh, intertwined with religion. He seems to have, yeah, like I said, rebelled a little bit from Mm -hmm. that. Um, he released this album in 2016. I only heard of it or found it. I don't know. I want to say within the last year, probably close to a year. Um, anyway, it's this album called the party. It's a concept album. All the songs revolve around a party. Um, why do you, why do you give me that smirk for? I'm thinking about other friends who have, describe this album to me like man the whole thing it's about a party yeah i have well, a buddy who loves shop as well and like very similar in description okay don't so, mind me so yeah it's just this album about a party every song has to do with either a person or something that happened at the party and i the okay i have to admit the very first time that i listened to this album i was on acid Oh yeah. And I found it because um YouTube music was trying to recommend to me uh the video for the his song called The Magician, which is sort of trippy. Okay. I don't know if that's why it was trying to recommend it to me. So that was initially I was like, "Oh, this video looks trippy. I'm taking some I've taken some acid t- this evening." So I clicked on it and at first I wasn't sure how I felt about it. And then I don't know, by about halfway through the song, I was like, Jesus, this is, this is some great shit. And so I continued to listen to the entire album and I just, honestly, I fell in love with it. I I fell in love with it to a point that I felt like I felt this is some crazy shit. Um, I felt like I know these songs, even though I may have not heard them before and they sound like super familiar to me and the like the stories that he tells seem also seem very familiar to me almost like these stories could have been taken from a party i attended as a young person you feel really connected to him exactly and so you asked me earlier before the podcast because when i was talking about this i wasn't going to talk about this on the podcast yeah but you asked me, was anything else ever, any other music ever made you feel that way? And I thought about that earlier this week because Andy released a new album a week ago and it's had the exact same effect on me. Like, like I told you, I pretty much know the words to all the songs. Yeah. And the album's been out for like six days. Or There's a couple songs you played days. me were really good. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I started thinking about has there ever been music that, influenced or gave me that feeling that the party album did and this new album the wilds um and yeah there was an album it was tool of course the anima album in particular um it's the song eulogy 
And I can remember where I was, what I was doing, exactly what I was doing when this album clicked with me. Mm. And it didn't necessarily click on the first listen, but it was within the the week of buying the album that uh, it really resonated with me, I hmm. guess is the right term. So I'm going to play a little bit of this song, Eulogy. And it's really interesting. And if you're not familiar with the song, it has to do with um, this guy who's dead um, appearing at his own funeral as a spirit, let's say, mm-hmm. but witnessing the people who are you know, speaking about him or giving his eulogy. It's very interesting concept it is but you might you maybe he didn't hear the things that he wanted to hear about himself when he went back when he visited his own funeral so anyway i'm gonna play a little bit of it we'll see where it goes So, yeah. So Fantastic I song. Yeah, but the lyrics are just like... I always thought it was about Bill Hicks. No. Obviously not. I hadn't listened to it like that. Oh. I know Bill Hicks is on the yeah, album at one sure. part. Dedic- this album is dedicated to Bill Hicks. Um, but just that idea of like, yeah, you died, you're witnessing your own funeral, uh, and people are like, good riddance. He had a lot to say. He, he had, had a lot, lot of nothing, nothing to say. say. Yeah. But, yeah. He, but he sure could yell. Yeah. He sure could yell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That song gives me the feels like goosebumps when I hear it because it's just such, It I don't know, it's such a good story or descriptive lyrics that mm. you can imagine, really imagine the whole scene. They paint the picture. Yeah. And I feel like this whole Tool album is like that. Yeah, that that might be my favorite tool album. I think it's the best the best tool album. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, there's so many great tool albums, but I feel like at the time that this was released, which was what, ninety six? Um only it remember because of my birth year. It was earth shattering in terms of uh it, you know, the the diff the the shit that they did on this album hadn't really been done before you know Mm. um it starts out as like this little circus sort of song but the melody is so simple right yeah but then all of a sudden 
the melody turns into this crazy, intricate, awesome song. And it's just like, I'm just, again, I remember when I was first listening to this and I made the connection between those two pieces of, of the song and just, I don't know, something I never, like I said, I never felt as crazy about an album other than this, like I do the Andy Shelf albums. Wow, that's saying a lot. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm almost scared to say that, but like it's like I said, it's been almost a year now. I still feel that you way. You love that guy. Uh, mm. I don't necessarily love all of his stuff, but these three concept albums, I'm really into. Yeah, I haven't really listened to his other stuff. I kind of don't want to blow my load. <laughs> you know, I want to save savor it. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm hoping the rest of them are as good as those three. But if not, they're still, like I said, three of the most incredible albums in my books ever. Anyway, back to Tool and this little circusy song. It's called Intermission, by the way. get that and then it turns into this It's just a, a, another small example of why this album is so important. The artistry and musicianship, that whole band. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, getting back to Andy Shelf, I'm going to play a couple uh, little pieces of music from him. Let's hear so, it, Andy. Um, the first one is from this album called The Party. Uh, this is the second song on the album. It's called Early to the Party. And... I can't tell you that I've, I've ever had this exact experience, but I've had a very, uh, maybe some similar experiences that you could all put together and equal this, this experience. I'm just going to play like the first, you know, 45 seconds of it. All right. Excuse 
That's really nice. And lyrically, get, it's... Yeah, uh, like he paints such amazing pictures. Excuse yourself and smoke a cigarette outside. Yeah, or um, overdressed and underprepared. <laughs> that that essentially uh, is exactly me at every single party uh, that I went to when I was in a teenager. Yeah, overdressed and underprepared. Yeah, and I just, I don't know, like I said, it resonates on a really deep level with me. And I think it probably does for a lot of other people too. I just, you know, my circle of friends probably would say, Oh, I'm not really into this kind of music. It's true. Um, then I'm going to play one more little ditty, um, from his new album called wilds. And yeah, it's the first song. And I don't know, I played it for B rock earlier. I enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. And I just think it's a, a fun little song will play a little bit of it. makes me smile it's got a classic like the the intro guitar riff such a classic sound it could be in any decade yeah that really yeah that's kind of what when i first heard the party i was trying to figure out in my mind why i liked it so much yeah and i think i said to you it's got a lennon mccartney feel to it yeah and i still feel that way i think that I think it's unfair to uh, place that upon somebody. That's a it's a big thing. That's a big thing. But there's definitely some influences there. Like uh, for I, sure, I think on some of the other songs uh, on this new album, Wilds, I, I could hear some like '70s Billy Joel as well. You were saying, yeah. So just on that, uh, going back to that riff. <clears throat> It is different in its own way, but the melody reminded me a lot of uh, Norwegian Wood of Rubber Soul. Just sure. the, the progression, and it's a very different song, but as someone who hasn't listened to the album, I can also hear that uh, yeah. thing you're talking about. I actually, when I wasn't into Schaff and all that, a friend was like, hey, come to this show, and it turned out to be Andy Schaff. And everybody who I went with had very big expectations, and I appear to be the only person who enjoyed the show, which was not expected on B-Rock's part. You know what? I I don't know these people, but I already know what they're talking about. Yeah. Because the way... Okay, so uh, 
both of these albums. There's a third one involved. I'm not even going to bring it up. Yeah. But uh, The Party and Wilds, um, Andy wrote all the music, played all the instruments, recorded everything himself. Um, so you can think that it takes a certain kind of musician or artist to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you can also respect that when they're going and playing live, they're going to play variations. Right. Right. And change up the arrangement. Mm-hmm. And that's what Andy Schoff does in his live shows. He changes up the arrangement of a lot of songs. And I think people go to his shows probably expecting to hear the album version. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just not that kind of artist. He's playing today's version. You know, it's a con- it's always evolving. It's what a growing captured in the album is one thing, but he's been playing those songs hundreds of times since. And like I said, he's just, He's willing to experiment, but I'm not sure that that's their reasoning, but I've seen some of his live stuff and it can be hit or miss for me strictly because of the arrangements on the albums. I love them so Hmm. much and I'm so used to them that I'm not really open to something that's completely off the wall, even though it's probably really good as well. Sure. It's very possible. Anyway, that sounds accurate. I spilled my guts about Andy Shove. We know you love Andy Shove. I think Maybe. that was good. It was a good segment for, I'm sure there's people out there who feel the same way. Or they maybe they will after listening. Maybe. Yeah. I'm definitely a bit more intrigued. Yeah. And the then like album the idea really that all those albums, so the party, all the um, songs take place or are from the position of that party. Um, the next album was called uh, The Skyline Lounge. And all of those songs take place from that bar. It's like a local bar. And then uh, it all in that they all have characters from the same universe. And then Wilds as well has characters from both of the albums that appear in the songs. It's really cool. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about it. I really like. Hell yeah, Maybe man. it sounds cheesy and you're like, oh, this guy's a loser. But whatever. I'm fine with that. I think you sound like you're just really into it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about crypto? Yeah. 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 Let's bring that. Uh, you had an interesting story. Though. Oh, no, I'm not going to talk. Not going to touch that not, yet. Maybe next time. Uh, for those wondering, it's just I've, I've learned about this new crypto and I'd like to talk about it, but I think I need to learn more about it be able to be able to articulate it properly. Fair enough. Um, I verified my Coinbase account. Oh yeah, because it's basically business as usual. Uh, it, you know, I understand why they're uh, why they want you to verify your account now because Coinbase is trying to be as legit as a bank, right? And you know, tax implications, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, plus, there's been a lot of new crypto coming out that I want to be able to buy, yeah, or shuffle my portfolio around a little bit. And I kind of did some shuffling this past week. Okay. So um, Coinbase has several coins um, that are tradable on their site that now have this thing where you could, if you stake them, your coins, right? where you just, you know, you leave them as a balance in your Coinbase wallet. Yeah. You're um, gaining interest on them. And the interest is paid in the form of the coin. It's not, you're not paid in dollars. You're paid in that coin. Right. And so 
I was thinking, damn, you know, a lot of these coins are following Ethereum or Bitcoin in terms of when they go up and when they go down anyway. Wouldn't it be cool to also be making a percentage just from holding that coin? Absolutely. Right. And so I picked up a couple of those coins. Um, one of them is called, uh, I think it's Algorand. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's increased a lot since I last looked at it. Yeah. It's increased like a lot a since ago. I just bought it. Okay. Even this week, it's gone up like 15, 20%. Hell yeah. So I I swapped out some coins to that. Like I got rid of my classic Ethereum. Okay. And distributed that between uh, this and another one. Let me go to the proper page here. So yeah, Cosmos is one of them. I see him here. And of course Coinbase decided to sign me out at the most opportune time yeah cosmos has been performing well as as well yeah so cosmos March. is got a five percent um apy uh interest for staking it and hmm. then um the other one is algorand like i mentioned and that's got a four percent but now you can also trade um they're called die yep which is a stable, stable coin. coin yeah they weren't letting you trade stable coins on Coinbase until recently. So remember I was telling you about how what you should do is try and shift to something stable when, yeah. when coins are at their peak. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm going to start to do now With is, be is because of DAI. So for instance, um, I'm looking at my portfolio right now, which is pretty small, but I have a target of where I think is a high number mm -hmm. in terms of it, that it's doing well. It's not far off from doing that. Hmm. And as soon as it hits that number, I'm going to uh, exit to die. Then I'm going to wait for it to drop, you know, 10%. Yeah. And I'm going to rebuy everything. Right. At a hot with more dollars. But you know what I mean? Was I could have sworn die was available in the past few months. It, it probably has been, but okay. I, my account's been locked for a few months. Right. I'm also, I didn't bother to uh, verify myself, but it is something that needs to be done. Yeah. So in mean, Coinbase really, you know, it's safe. That's what I'm saying. Which is great. The reason they're getting you to verify is because they're legit. Yeah. Right. Um, going back to the staking, is there a minimum? No. Because I'm using a different wallet and they're staking. You need like you, That's the whole idea ton. of, no, no. The, the, yeah. The whole idea of staking is that you're leaving it in this account. Right. And I'm le because there's I'm, no minimum. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. And because I'm dealing with a relatively small amount, yeah. I don't feel like it's a big risk to be leaving the balance in Coinbase. Yeah. And, and really, there hasn't been a huge issue with that anyway. If it was a large enough sum, of course, but yeah, if I, I trust Coinbase. If I was talking like, you know, 100K or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'd be a little bit, I'd, you know, I'd be buying and then cold storaging. And then if I wanted to trade it again, I'd have to pull it out of fucking cold storage which i mean is good safety but it's a, it's a hassle. hassle yeah definitely a, a hassle. pain in the ass so yeah anyway that that's my uh that's my crypto update that's exciting i i've seen it on a few other platforms like exodus um but i have i haven't seen it on coinbase the staking so that's great yeah i think it's something that's fairly new yeah but 
it's all really interesting to watch. Yeah. And so, um, I did this other thing that you probably did as well. Mm. Um, you know how you can do those lessons and they give you a little bit yeah. of crypto. Did you ever do the one for compound? I did. Yeah. yeah so I, if I, what I think I sold my compound and it went up so high mistake. What's it at now? Like 600 um, compound. Uh, it's trading at $344, which is low. It, it was, was it was up at close to 600, Yeah, but it's still a lot. Like for instance, um, when I did that lesson, it, they gave you $9 worth of um compound yeah it's worth over 50 dollars right now wow. even even at this low when it was almost worth double that at one yeah. point but if you remember correctly during that little lesson that you go through uh with compound in coinbase mm. they have you um because compound is all about lending right right so what they do is they give you they gave you five dollars of usdt Right. That you were going to put into compound and hold, uh, like give out as a loan. Mm -hmm. And so whenever the year is up, which is for me is coming up pretty soon, I should also be getting that $5 USDT plus interest back. Interesting. And then I'm going to sell my compound. Smart cookie. Yeah. Well, because those those little learning activities were awesome. They're good. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's free coin. Yeah, man. Who knows uh, which one of these coins is going to blow up next, but I have a feeling it'll be several. Keep her eyes out. Yeah. Did you ever hear about the, uh, I think we might've talked about this off podcast, the Shiba. Shiba Inu? Yeah. Yeah. What about it? I actually, that's one of the reasons I verified is I want to get some. I was, this is a couple months ago. I was like, man, this thing is worth like nothing. It's a meme coin. It is. But, and I, I think meme coins are pretty dumb, but then you see the amount of money only that takes, folks have made off only of that, takes right? One tweet from Elon. And then I saw Elon talking about it. I'm like, motherfucker should have been in on this earlier, but it's still really low. Yeah. That's the, uh, I want to get some, I want to just like throw like a hundred bucks at it. Yeah. Cause you, for a hundred bucks, you get like thousands. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you even, it's difficult to get though, you need to go through you, like, you can uh, buy it on Uniswap. Coinbase now. What? Yes. They're trading it? This is what I'm trying to tell you. This is one of the reasons I verified is because they started uh, carrying Shiba Inu. Oh, well, okay. I guess I will get uh, verified. Yeah, it's right here. Yeah, buy. It's it's uh, at (laughs) $0.000002 per coin. Yeah, you can't really go But it's got a $3.2 billion market cap. That's ridiculous. It is. So to throw a hundred bucks at it, you're going to get, like I said, maybe tens of thousands of coins. And, oh yeah. And then if it goes up to even someday a penny each, you're, you're rich. You're laughing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something to do. Yeah. Interesting that Coinbase is getting behind that. Well, because so many people are interested now, it's not because it's a viable coin. It's because so many people want to trade it. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's never going to be used for anything. It's non-functional. No, it, like I said, it's a, it's a joke. Weird. Yep. Weird world we live in. Hell yeah. Great world. All right. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, JP, just 
I haven't listened to all of the Neil Young yet, but mm. uh, he released his Carnegie Hall set from 1970. What's on the set list? Um, let me go back to it. It starts out with Down by the River, um, followed up by Cinnamon Girl. Mm. Um, is it? Uh, is he backed by a band? Or is uh, it just him? I couldn't tell yet. Did I, you listen to it? I listened to the, I, Like I said, I haven't listened to it all. Oh, okay. I've listened to the first like three or four songs just he before does, he showed up. He does some shows where it's just him, a guitar, and a uh, uh, harmonica. And then he's got, you know crazy horse and other backing bands i'll have to get back to you on that one okay i don't want to misinform um it was recorded just after uh the gold rush mm-hmm. after the gold rush yeah good album anyway that was released uh, recently check it out if you're into the old neil young and then i was talking about grateful dead releasing their 71 set from fox theater um, they released a single, single a few weeks ago and just dropped the uh, full three and a half hour set. So, God damn. If you're into it, they are ready to consume. That's all I got music, music wise. All right. Should we end it here? I think so. All right, folks. A dope ass beat.